<laughs> exactly. Um, as I over here. I don't have my mic on. I said you could play the Sisal video since you haven't heard it. Oh <laughs> yeah, in a mission. All right. So can everybody see? Like, am I sharing the right one? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I'll go ahead and play that while we're. Now this chapter is key to the book's design because everything that follows is going to focus on Babylon's coming attack. First on Israel in chapters 26 to 45, and then on the other nations in chapters 46 to 51. The section about Israel first contains stories about how Jeremiah begged Israel to turn back, how he warned them right up to the last minute, but the leaders of Israel kept rejecting him. The section concludes with a large collection of stories about how Jerusalem was under siege and eventually destroyed by Babylon and about how Jeremiah was persecuted all through that time and eventually kidnapped and taken against his will to Egypt by a group of Israelite rebels. Now, right here in the middle, in between all the dark stories of disaster and judgment, is a collection of Jeremiah's messages of hope for Israel's future. So he picks up on Moses' prediction that after Israel had broken the covenant and gone into exile, see Deuteronomy 30, God would not abandon his people. Rather, he would renew his covenant with them and transform their hearts. Jeremiah develops this promise, and he says that God is going to one day inscribe the laws of the Torah, not on tablets, but rather on the hearts of his own people. He's going to heal their rebellion so that they can truly one day love and follow him fully. And so one day, Israel will return back to the land, and the Messiah from the line of David is going to come, and that's when all nations will come to recognize Israel's God as the true God. So these chapters are showing that despite Israel's apostasy, God is not going to let Israel's sin get the final word. Rather, his own faithfulness will bring about the fulfillment of his promises no matter what. After this, we find the large collection of poems about how God is going to use Babylon to judge the nations around Israel. So Egypt, Philistia, Moab, Edom, Ammon, Damascus, Hazor. But then, surprisingly, the longest poems are saved for last, and they're about God's coming judgment on Babylon itself. So although God used this nation to execute his justice, God doesn't endorse their violence and idolatry. And so Babylon too will come under the standard of God's justice. And so Jeremiah denounces this nation's pride and injustice as well. Now, Babylon is larger than life in these poems. And it reminds us of the image of Babylon all the way back from Genesis chapter 11. Babylon has become the archetypal rebellious nation. In their glorification of wealth and war, God's going to give this nation over to its own destruction. The book concludes with a story taken from the end of the book of Second Kings. It tells about Babylon's final attack on Jerusalem, how they destroyed the city walls and burned the temple and took the people into exile. The story shows how Jeremiah's warnings of judgment from chapters 1 through 24 were fulfilled. But then the chapter ends with a short story about the captive Israelite king Jehoiakim. He's heir to the line of David. And the king of Babylon releases him from prison and shows him favor and invites him to eat at the royal table for the rest of his life. And that's how the book ends. So it's a little glimmer of hope. And this recalls Jeremiah's promises of hope from chapters 30 to 33. God hasn't abandoned his people or the promise of a future coming king from David's line. And so while this book contains a huge amount of warning and judgment, 
the final words conclude with a note of hope for the future. And that's what the book of Jeremiah is all about. So yeah, I find that video very interesting to kind of like rehone like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sometimes I get so mired in like different little verses and, and things like that, but having the broad view of um, the intent and purpose of, of an author's writings. Um, I, I just find it so interesting how we are living it so much today. Um, we have a lot of of judgments coming upon us because of our own unrighteousness as well as the unrighteousness of the entire earth nations different things but as we truly study prophetic counsel we know that there is hope that hope is the ever prevailing message of prophets that no matter how far we've we've fell no matter what we've done there is hope in returning and it just takes a, a a conscious effort on our part to say i'm going to stop and i'm going to to focus on on christ and on living the actual commandments or following the laws that bring the blessings and not the curses and so anyway i find that just so interesting throughout especially the the book of jeremiah there and then lamentations i mean that one's pretty sad how did we not listen like we had so many warnings we had so many prophets and we're here now we're we're we've been attacked and destroyed and dispersed and and we're lamenting the fact that we have let ourselves and our temple be desecrated and everything that that entails it's quite the the, the book uh, of lamentations there but um kind of switching over where is my oh there it is it's going to bring up the, the come follow me manual just kind of take a look at, at how it uh, what things it focuses on in these chapters <clears throat> so the the overarching uh, kind of theme of uh, these verses is I will turn their mourning into joy. So that doesn't just happen. It has to be merited, right? We have to have uh, a repentant heart in order to uh, receive the blessings instead of the curses. But as we go through, here's some of the, the sections that they bring forth, that the Lord will bring Israel out of captivity and gather them, just like he did in the past. The covenant phrase, they shall be my people, and I will be their God. The scriptures have power to turn me away from evil. I, I think I find that very crucial in this whole process there. And then the Lord can relieve the sorrow we experience because of sin. So, I don't know, that last one's especially interesting in light of advocate and comforter and, and all of that, but what ideas and thoughts and impressions um, did you all have as we were listening to that, uh, watching that presentation, or um, where do we want to kind of take our, our study of Jeremiah tonight? Do we want to look at a specific scripture block or just kind of share 
thoughts and uh, things on um, those general topics there. So I just have a little comment to say, because when you said, I will turn your sorrows into joy, was that what it was? Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. Anybody have any thoughts on that? Yeah, let's see. It's, um, I will turn their mourning into joy. Their mourning. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and then you said that's um, if you keep the covenant. What did uh -huh. you say? No. Because um, if we are under a covenant curse, we're, we're going to have the mourning, the lamentation, but that mourning can turn into joy through a repentance kind of a thing is I think what I was trying to get at anyway. <laughs> right. And that's what I got. And I just couldn't remember because I kind of wanted to put a twist on that because mm -hmm. I don't think it's always our covenant curse that we're mourning. Yeah. So I can think of lots of things, but this one's just a little easy to give. So my son who's left the church and you guys have all had members, uh, family members leave the church. You mourn. But when they come back, how joyful will that be? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, so it's, I don't think it's always that we're mourning because we're under a covenant curse. I think it's like we're mourning because of other people's agency. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, there's, you know, lots of things that we face in this life. I have a friend who just just finally settled with somebody that rear-ended her because they both had the same insurance company. So the insurance company didn't want to pay <laughs> and she was yeah. going to have to go to court. And then right before court, she got that settled. And a month or less later, she got T-boned oh, and no. now she's back into therapy and a concussion and she's not thinking right. And, you know, just really frustrated. I think she's mourning, right? Yeah. But she's also been seeing amazing miracles come because of it. And I'm just, I mean, I don't think it's always just covenant curses. I think we mourn all the time in this life and those mornings can be turned to joy. Mm -hmm. We just yeah. have to wait on the Lord and be patient. And when I say wait on the Lord, I don't mean sit like at a school bus waiting on the Lord. <laughs> yeah. No, we wait just like a waiter. <laughs> yep, wait like a waiter. We just, we just continue in that covenant, right? Being true and faithful. So, anyways, that's what I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If yeah. anybody has the book, and I'm sure Cameron, you have this book, God <laughs> Will Prevail by Carrie Mulestein. I don't know, but there's a section on Jeremiah. I don't know if you knew that. He has a section on Jeremiah. It's about four, four, four or five pages pretty interesting i hadn't finished it but i just discovered it because i listened to some somebody speak oh it was herrick mulestein uh-huh yeah and he said he was talking about he says my cousin even though we pronounce it different <laughs> he said he and he quoted from it but not from jeremiah for something else and i can't remember what the quote was now and i opened up the book and found jeremiah so if somebody has that book mm -hmm. they it's an interesting little thing he has one on ezekiel too when we get to that but it's about the covenant so it's really interesting it's a short little thing so i just wanted to put that out there like I, i've taken this classes a lot of times but i haven't actually made it through that book yet so I, yeah and i hadn't either but i was looking for that quote but then i forgot it and i saw the jeremiah and i was like 
Ooh. I was going to try to find it, but I reorganized my bookshelf and now I can't find anything so fast. <laughs> read you a, I can just read you a little bit just so you have an idea what it's about. Like the first, well, yeah. the first paragraph's really long. I'll just read the first at the bottom of the page. It says, just like Hosea gave final warnings to the kingdom of Israel just before its destruction, Jeremiah and Ezekiel gave warnings to the kingdom of Judah right before its destruction. It is not surprising that all these prophets focused on the breach of covenant caused by Israel's failure to keep their part of it. Members of both kingdoms seemed to have come to rely on God's promises of protection that was part of the covenant while neglecting their covenantal obligations. Such a result, we see that Jeremiah's first focus on the coming consequences for breaking the covenant and then immediately destruction is sure, turns to focus on future fulfillment of covenantal promises. So it's all about that, and um, it's part of Jeremiah 7, 11, um, and then 24, and a lot on 30 and 31, how the law is written in your heart, um, and that God will be um, my people if, you know, if you keep the covenant, then yeah, so it's, it's, it's only about four and a half pages, so it's really pretty, it's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that was in there. I just found it by accident. Yeah, I didn't either. That's pretty cool. But yeah, some of that that language reminds me of um, from Carrie Mielstein's Education Week class. And I put those on Learning Zion a long time ago. Here's the link if anybody wants them. But um, that there's 47 promises of the Abrahamic covenant. And um, what... Nice. Oh, I was thought I was screen sharing. Um so when we are in the manual here and it uh, references there in jeremiah 31 31 they shall be my people and i will be their god i mean that is a that's a covenant clause and it is one in the abrahamic covenant um but anyway so god promises us 35 things and we in turn are expected to promise 12. So if we complete these 12, we get all of these other 35. And um, he did an extensive like word study and everything throughout all of the uh, scriptures there and uh, found all of the different nuances to it. Because we can summarize the Abrahamic covenant quite well. I mean, <laughs> priesthood, posterity, promised land. We, we talk about that all the time. But if we're, we're really pulling apart the different individual phrases, um, I think that those are really interesting. Um, I, we've got time, but let's actually go ahead and, and read through those because I, I think that they're very crucial for us to, to understand and, and reflect on often because Jeremiah is going through it. 
uh, like you said, Hosea and um, Ezekiel, Isaiah, they're all referencing the covenant and uh, looking at what has been broken and breached so that we can fix it. Um, and like Alethea said, you know, whether it's on our part, whether it's on other people's part, and um, just anyway, the covenant here. So um, the first promise is that he will bless Abraham. The second is that he will prosper Abraham and or slash Israel, provide rain, abundant fruit, etc. The third is that God will lead Abraham by the hand. God's power will be over him. Uh, Abraham will be a blessing to his seed and the families of the earth. Abraham's seed will bless the earth. God will bless those that bless Abraham and curse those that curse Abraham. The promised land to Abraham uh, will be his and his seed forever. Abraham will be a great nation and a father of many nations. Abraham will have a great name among all nations. His seed as innumerable as the dust, etc. I mean, there's, there's lots of different stanzas and variations of that. The seed continues for eternity, not just here on this mortal earth. Um, the next one is quite extensive. There's lots of different ways that this is presented, but God will protect Abraham's seed. Um, they will possess the gates of their enemies. Uh, they will dwell safely. No evil beasts in the land. No sword will go through the land. And Israel will chase enemies who will fall by the sword. Um, the, the next one kind of goes along with it, but uh, that five of Israel will chase a hundred. A hundred will um, put 10,000 to flight, etc. Um, that the odds are ever in Israel's favor. Israel will smite and chase their enemies. Hey, you know will... what's interesting about these right here? Yeah. These are the ones that we get. Yeah, look, no sword going through the land. That's Leviticus 26. You know what that's for? Keeping the Sabbath day holy. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And and the curse of, I don't know. Sometimes I, I hate bringing that up. But um, like, what is the blessings of keeping the Sabbath day holy? Like this part here. And what's yeah. the curse of not keeping the Sabbath day holy? Death. You should be put to death. Not only that, but there's one that just almost scares me even more. I can't remember exact. I will despise you. Yeah. I think it's despise is the word that's used. And it's like, yeah, I don't want God to despise me. <laughs> that's a very strong word. It is, isn't it? Anyways, okay, keep going. Yeah. And so uh, people will fear Israel. Israel will lend and not borrow. Um, Israel will be ahead and not a tail, will be above and not beneath them, other nations. Kings and rulers from Abraham's seed, the covenant to be an everlasting to Abraham's seed, even to a thousand generations. We see many times with blessings and curses that it's up to the third and fourth generation, but uh, Abraham's is to the thousandth. Okay, do you think that is literal or do you think that's like figurative? Like how 40 is used to mean a lot? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's very figurative, but yeah. um, definitely amplifying what was previously given, you know, third, fourth, we're just talking little right. things, but thousands, because I don't know, how would you even calculate a thousand generations? What do yeah. we, God, like, I don't know. It would be interesting to take it literally and kind of <laughs> calculate that out too. 
Um, God will be God to Abraham and his seed. Israel will be God's people. Israel will be a peculiar treasure or a special people to God. Israel will be a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. God will set his tabernacle among them and be with them. Wait, can we just stop there for a second? Mm -hmm. So um, the word curious is on my mind because I read it last night in Exodus in my reading. So that word peculiar sounds very much like curious, right? Mm -hmm. And curious means, so like if he said like, um, you know, uh, Nephi's ship was curious workmanship. The lumber was curious workmanship. Mm -hmm. um, when I was reading in Exodus, it was the curious, um, what's the word, like linens or whatever. What it meant was like very fine and like treasured. Yeah. I'm, it's got me curious. <laughs> yeah. So to look up Exodus 19.5. I think that peculiar treasure is the Hebrew word segula, isn't it? I'm going to turn on my blender, so I'm going to mute for a little bit. Let's see. Treasured. While you're looking, I have a question, Cameron, that I came across and I didn't quite understand it. Um, it said something about obeying the law of Abraham and Sarah, since we're talking about um, blessings and stuff. What is the, oh, the law of Abraham and Sarah that says it's set forth in the Holy Scriptures? Uh-huh. Um, that's a good question, because it has a lot of nuances to it that, because like, the law of Sarah is different than the law of Abraham, but in that context, it's kind of like merging them, isn't it? So like, what is it um, being referenced from? It's me. I, I just had it in my notes with a link to a conference talk. I don't know if it was a comment of somebody else made. I don't, I didn't put where I got it. It was about filling the new and everlasting covenant. Mm -hmm. hmm. So I, I couldn't make sense. It had to do with, yeah, I don't know. It just says to fulfill all the rights, laws, and ordinance pertaining to the holy matrimony in the new and everlasting covenant. This means obeying the law of Abraham and Sarah set forth in the scriptures. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> I, just like didn't yeah. I didn't understand it. I thought, what are they referring to? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to, I'm, let me put that in a law of Abraham and Sarah. I don't know where if I, I got wanna... it. If somebody asked it on Facebook or where I got the little note, because I was like, I got to research that more. And I haven't. And we were talking about the Abrahamic blessing. So I thought, okay, what is this? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I think there's a, a lot of nuance uh, to that that we'll, we'll mm -hmm. dive into here in a, a second. Um, yeah, that's fine. But since we're kind of on this topic with Abraham, yeah. I thought <laughs> I'll just that's throw that out there. Um, so yeah, with, um, peculiar, um, that we were talking about in Israel will be a peculiar treasure or a special people, Exodus 19, five, the, the word, like, uh, Lisa said is, is Segala. Um, <laughs> we'll learn how to pronounce that properly when we're <laughs> in our Hebrew class. Um, 
But anyway, possession or, or property uh, here, my treasured possession, if we look at Strong's 54, 59. So I'm, I'm just kind of having like peculiar, curious um, in, in my head here as we go through this. Um, so it has eight occurrences throughout the, the Bible. And so we have a peculiar treasure or a possession, special, um, proper good, jewels. When I make up my jewels um, there in Malachi, it, it uses that word segula as well. Very interesting. I would love to see like in King James, anytime that we come across the word curious and also take it and compare it against this um, other Hebrew word and stuff too. Uh, Cameron, it was a feminine. Some of the words are masculine. It was a feminine word. So to be my peculiar or treasured possession, mm -hmm. it, uh, it has a feminine flavor to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when we're talking groups of people, they're, they're often in that, that feminine especially covenant, because um, we're his bride, right? Um, right, that's what I was thinking too. It, it nuances is that, uh, you know, that preparing ourselves to meet the bridegroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. It said possession too, right? Didn't it say possession? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it says somewhere, I think in the New Testament, we're bought as, with a price. So we're not our, really our own. He's bought us it's right. like a dowry he's bought us we're the bride and he's the bridegroom and we're bought we're owned that's when right. we, we, we there, there's been a tremendous price paid um right that also mirrors the hebrew wedding ceremonies where there is always the price that's uh -huh. and right. um and then there's diff other different rituals throughout that um process of becoming betrothed yeah very interesting so let's see we're in this one and then we're branching over to um the law of abraham and sarah so i i don't know if i've ever heard it referenced as both of them like a law that both because the law of sarah deals with polygamy and and consent and everything but like, let's just look for law of, oops, of Abraham and see if there's anything that, it needs. yeah, nothing like comes up like right off the bat there. But um, I, I'm going to have to give that one more thought. Yeah, because I don't know what context I actually found it in. Mm -hmm. um, but it just, it piqued my interest and I was going to try to find the answer and I I didn't. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know where I got it or if I got it from um, of a guy that's going to, in November, that's going to speak. It might have been something that he brought up. I don't know. Um, what's his mm -hmm. name? can't think of his morgan. name morgan it might be something i got from morgan i don't know mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I'm just not sure I should put notes where I get these things <laughs> from and I don't I'm like I just take them down and just paste them in my <laughs> thing and I'm like okay <laughs> later <laughs> yep. Yep. that's how I do it too I wish I was good about putting references on everything as I go through um so yeah just finishing out uh, the last part of these um they Israel will be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Uh, he will set his tabernacle, a special mercy available to those in the covenant. Um, he will be a prince of peace. Uh, we will receive instructions and possess knowledge. And God's name will be put upon Abraham through ordinances. God's name known in earth through Abraham's ministry, that he will be the one reflecting God's name. Uh, God's hand will be over Abraham, Abraham's seed to bear the ministry and priesthood ordinances to the world. And um, all who receive the gospel will be called in Abraham's name and become his seed. Let's see. All who receive the gospel will bless Abraham. Priesthood ordinances carried by Abraham's seed will bless the world and give them a chance for salvation and eternal life. Abraham's seed has a right to priesthood ordinances. And the eternal marriage and eternal <laughs> eternal continuation of seed uh, be exalted as gods with no end. So those are all of the things that he promises to us. If we will keep the covenant, keep the statutes and commandments, hearken to God's voice, exhibit faithful righteousness, take care of the stranger, fatherless and widow, love, remember, fear, and serve God. Uh, love him again there, receive instruction, make God's name known in the earth, bear God's name to others, hearken to his voice, and Abraham's seed is to bear ministry and priesthood ordinances to the world. So if we will do those things, we receive a ton of blessings. So there was one that you said Abraham and his posterity would receive the promised land. Uh -huh. They has been calling again. So what promised land? What does that include? That's a good question. I've heard lots of different interpretations on it. I don't know if I'd ever. Um, let's see. So we have lots in Genesis, Leviticus, Deuteronomy um, references. Well, there. Let me just throw out what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. I'm going to postulate because I'm thinking this, that it's the whole earth. Mm -hmm. Because Lehi was covenanted the promised land and his posterity, and he came from Abraham. So I'm thinking it's the whole earth. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, because yeah. we, we see that the Jerusalem and New Jerusalem will be the, the headquarters, but that it, it flows and, and encompasses the whole earth that eventually, right? Right. And the whole earth ascends as we ascend and undergoes all the transformations. We, we as, as the people of the earth and the earth together. Yeah. Will be changed. Yeah. Because we just think of like, I don't know, the land of Canaan. Was that what it was? Mm -hmm. But I don't think yeah. it is. I, I think it's the, Yeah. I think it's the whole earth. Yeah. And so like. As we are um, 
entering into the covenant, you know, Jacob, Israel, level of the ladder kind of thing, you know, we get a, a small inheritance. And as we grow and as we establish stakes in Zion and things, so it expands, like it makes a lot of sense that eventually that that encompasses the whole earth as we, the inhabitants, raise our spirituality to to merit it kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm, yeah, I so in in context of Jeremiah, Lamentations, they're going through the worst of it. <laughs> they're, they're seeing all of the effects of generations of uh, disobedience and lackadaisical, um, uh, hypocritical uh, type worship. And they're seeing the withdrawal of, of all of these blessings. Yet there's always a message of hope. And that's what Jeremiah is giving us. Um, we have to be warned. Uh, um, who said that recently? I can't even remember. It was in some podcast or something somewhere that the Lord never punishes us without telling us why he's punishing us or giving us the step-by-step -step instructions out of it. And so that's what the prophets are called to do. Hey, you're experiencing this because you've disobeyed and, and here's the, uh, the covenant curses but there's hope. There's the promised blessings. Here's the, the way out. Um, if you'll just listen and heed and, and repent kind of a thing. And so that being on an individual scale, being on a um, international universal uh, type scale as well. Yeah. Um, any other Let's, let me pull back up the come follow me manual there. The Lord will bring Israel out of captivity and gather them. The, the blessings. Oh, this is one that I wanted to talk on. Um, there's a section on the scriptures have power to turn me away from evil. And so the Lord commanded Jeremiah to record his prophecies in a roll of a book or a scroll, explaining that if the people were to hear these prophecies, it may be that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity. As you read Jeremiah chapter 36, consider noting the following people, uh, how the following people felt about these prophecies. And so we have different groups of, of people doing that, but ponder how you feel about the scriptures and their role in your life. How have they helped you turn away from evil? And so I, I don't know, just pose that question out to everyone. How have the scriptures helped you guard yourself from evil or turn away from evil or helped others? How have you seen it in the lives of others? Um, there's a real power in the word, in prophetic uh, teachings, um, both ancient and, and modern, but um, what ways have you seen that, that application and, and the blessings flowing from that? Well, I think if we take them seriously, sometimes I think we look at them as a metaphor. I mean, I like this group because we take it for what it is, what it says. And I think people read over, like I was reading a book today and it's talking about going, it's called uh, Choosing Glory. And it's about going from the telestial to the terrestrial and then to the, or I get them mixed up into celestial. And 
and it had links to scriptures and it talks about repenting and it says repenting of all sin and a lot of people have the false belief we don't have to repent of all of our sins if we're just repenting we're fine but the scriptures say repenting of all which is pretty pretty intense and we don't take that and i think if you really do then i think that has power to change you if you take the scriptures literally for what they say we need to do then but a lot of people just go oh no it's just we just have to repent of some of our sins and you know and it doesn't say that in the book of Mormon. it says where's the in the book of Mormon? they say oh we can sin a little and do this and then the lord will accept us anyway and i just i'm like I just think there's power in it if we take it for what it says and apply it to our lives. Truly mm -hmm. try to apply it to our lives. So. And what's this? Isn't there a scripture saying that the word is more powerful than the sword? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's only if we listen to it and heed what it says. So. That's my that's my take on it. Yeah, I love that. I think too yeah. that the word is so powerful, and that the more we expose ourselves to the holy writ, the word of God, even sometimes to speak the scriptures out loud, there's that resonance and that vibration. And I just think having that ability to have Christ's words written in our hearts and in the fibers of what we are i think it changed i mean i'm just speculating but i feel like it changes us i feel like it changes our bodies mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we're able to be to bear more light because we're um, drenching ourselves studying and seeking and searching the scriptures we're just being immersed in that and that i just feel like it helps us to be better servants to him because we can bear more light mm. and there is power in the word there's a great meme it's just a it's not meant for lds but it's from a biblical point of view it says the bible but i always just change it to the scriptures are the only book that have the power to transform you mm. so any other book is just to inform you but the powers can transform you nice distinction yeah and I really like that. And I've always remembered that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to put that one to memory because that's a, a great way to, to put it. They inform you, but these ones transform you. So yeah, um, it keeps ringing in my head, but I might be getting this wrong. I can't remember. But didn't President Nelson say that like regular scripture study has the power to... Um, to protect us against the temptations of the adversary or is that a promise from like family history i can't remember but like there's some promise of of that ringing in my head right now so i don't know maybe it applies to to scripture study but um i found that in varying degrees throughout my life because um sometimes like especially when i was younger having scriptures is just a chore like oh i have to read a chapter today whatever and i didn't feel much protection or <laughs> repentance going on because of the the due diligence i was trying to to put into it but um much like elder bednar talked about in his uh, reservoir of living water talk 
um, that reading something front to back, you know, it, it gets you drop by drop, but it doesn't quench a thirst. And so when you study it topically, like Bednar talks about, then you start getting an increased flow, but it's still not totally complete. But when you start going for connections and patterns and themes, that's when the reservoir of living water starts coming into your life and actually um, feeding and growing and taking care of your soul versus just reading something front to back and, and out of duty, out of a chore kind of a thing. And I look at that much the same way that the uh, Institute manual, or sorry, come follow me manual, just put it, that the scriptures have power to turn me away from evil. They have the power, but we determine the rate at which it flows into our lives uh, by how seriously, and how diligently we regard them and, and uh, study them. You know, like we did with the, the advocate study, you know, like <laughs> I, I poured my heart and soul into it and I got a, a rich reward versus, you know, just uh, casual, I'm just going to read a verse today and kind of disregard it. It doesn't feed like, like it can. It has unlimited power. That's what we put into it is what we'll get out of it. So, so that was Bednar's talk called the, what's it called? The fountain uh -huh. of living water? Reservoir of living water. Oh, reservoir of living because we had a talk by uh, somebody from our stake and he, I didn't hear the talk, but he mentioned those three things on Sunday. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, now I hear it twice. Uh -huh. And I've been, I've been talking to friends about it because they're having trouble studying. And so I brought that back up and I said to them, I think women can study topics better. I can't make the connections and guys, because I think you make good connections. And I think Todd McLaughlin can make connections to things because i've been reading a lot of his stuff and i'm like he sees things i would never never ever see connections and so i think maybe men make better if they study they make better connections and patterns uh, i just i just i think i have to practice more maybe and learn how to do it but i haven't tried to do it <laughs> it's yeah, more challenging i think like each of those, you know, connections, patterns, and themes, I think are all very separate and individual types of spiritual uh -huh. gifts. And uh, learning how to, I don't know. It, it's you definitely, you've got that spiritual gift to make the connections, though. <laughs> you definitely do. Somewhere along the line, I uh -huh. somewhat acquired that. But uh, I fully attribute most of my stuff to um, James Faulkner. Like his books transformed the way that I perceive anything anymore so his books are called um all of a sudden it left me um the the scriptures made harder so the book of mormon made harder the old testament made harder um all of them and they don't teach anything it's just questions so it's a verse by verse format and it says on this verse what about this why do you think it says it this way or what could that mean in the pattern or context of this? Like, it's just a book of questions. And when I read through that, I, I went through all um, four canons of scripture with, with his, it's commentary, but it's not really commentary. It's just questions. And um, it transformed my own personal ability 
to make connections. And so um, I think that there's just power in the art or the gift of asking questions. I think that that's kind of um, an interesting principle. So <laughs> I'm bouncing from one topic to another, sorry. But um, also Bednar's um, talk, right? Is it Bednar? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bednar's uh, BYU talk called Quick to Observe um, is probably, like those two talks are like foundational for, <laughs> for me anyway. But he said that some spiritual gifts are have prerequisite gifts. You have to get one gift before the other. And uh, in that one, he said that if you want the gift of discernment, you first have to have the gift to be quick to observe. That one is a requirement and an antecedent to um, um, okay. discernment. And so um, much like the, we were talking about, uh, gift of making connections i think uh -huh. the prerequisite to it is the gift of asking questions so striving to um, learn how to ask questions of the lord in order to get answers and then then the gift of connections can, can okay well that's good i just haven't asked for a long time because i just had so many things going on and mm -hmm. now i'm getting back in and maybe i'll start to ask questions and maybe that'll oh. that'll come so but yeah the faulkner books are are i I think I've been able to download one, but I haven't looked at them. So that, that really helped you, huh? Hard. Oh, man. They, <laughs> there's, there's quite a few little foundational things for me, but that, that was a, a huge one. Um, okay. That, that really transformed my whole study and, and life. The way I approach gospel learning was uh -huh. highly attributed to. Would to you ever, talk. could you ever answer any of his questions that he asks? Oh yeah. Like I wouldn't move on until I had my own answers. For wow. all of his questions and then my own that I would bring to, to each verse. Yeah. So I guess, yep, so. you'll find the connections if you ask enough, but yeah, if you're diligent enough to ask and search, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess I just haven't had the time to do that. I'm trying to get back to it. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll learn that. <laughs> so <laughs> I just taking the time yeah. and wherever the spirit leads and just yeah. ask questions all along the way. I, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, anyway, anything else on, on Jeremiah? Sorry, I keep going like off topic, but, um, we were talking about the scriptures having the power to turn me away from evil. And I think that they have a, a great power to shield us and, and protect us. Um, but at the same time, turning us away from evil by looking at the patterns of, of the prophets and the, the writers and things. Um, I can't remember if it's in Jeremiah or not, but I was reading something and maybe it just overlapped, but read something about new covenant. It didn't say new and everlasting covenant. It just said the new covenant. So is that different or is it the same thing? I mean, I came up with my own conclusion after reading lots of stuff, but um, uh -huh. yeah. Um, yeah. In the uh, Come Follow Me manual, it, it, it kind of uh, goes along that line there. Um, but I've heard it in, in lots of different ways, referencing the exact same covenant, but it, um, let me pull up on the screen to come follow me real quick. Um, it says that, uh, establish a new and everlasting covenant. It's new every time it's revealed anew, following a period of apostasy. 
and that it's everlasting in the sense that it's God's covenant has been enjoyed in every gospel dispensation. So the same, the way it's been explained to me, it's the same covenant, but it's new because we're in a new period or a phase or. Right. I just trying to figure out exactly what it is. And I, because there's a scripture that says in the book of Mormon, Oh, it says the church is under condemnation for not remembering the new covenant in the book of Mormon. That's in section 84. And I thought it doesn't say new and everlasting. It just says the new covenant. And then I found something and it referred to Jeremiah and it referred to Hebrews. And so I got really I like, hmm. So I just wasn't sure. So I kind of formulated my own idea, but could be a bunch full of hot water. Cameron, um, President Harris, you know, president of uh, the Twin Falls Temple, he was uh, acting as the sealer. And you know how he kind of likes to teach us um, little things. And he, he went into that very thing. And he said that it's the same. He's mm -hmm. talking about the same thing. When you look up in the gospel app, all it says is it says it's marriage and all the other covenants that we make, which is like, no, no, it doesn't to me explain it really well. Yeah. It's just really generalized. And like, why yeah. did it refer to the Book of Mormon? Why is the why is it specifically for referring to the Book of Mormon? Um I just yeah. So I was That's just a good question. To, so like when we have um the title the new testament we we also know that that testament means covenant covenant right and so there's the old covenant the new covenant and then another testament or another covenant yeah so, that's um, what i thought too and i kind of formulated my own idea and yeah and read some things but it's just different than what the church says the new and everlasting well it is but it isn't it's just different it's just it's a combination and i don't know it's just a deep study that i kind of went into and so mm -hmm. it was just so i'll let people discover it for themselves because i think it's i don't want to share it right now because mm -hmm. i don't i don't have it on the tip of my tongue so but it's something to look into to see why the church is under condemnation because if it's just the covenants that we make at baptism and all the other ones um i don't understand why the church is under condemnation then for not remembering the new covenant in the book of mormon so i've just so i have uh, some thoughts on that okay good i'll let you share and see if it's similar to mine well it's probably not but it's not deep um if i remember correctly in it was either in the Doctrine and Covenants or it was President Nelson when he brought that up in 1988. And, and I don't remember which conference, but he talked about, you need to read the Book of Mormon and we're still under condemnation because we have been taking it lightly. And mm -hmm. I think what it is, is that the Book of Mormon contains the fullness of the gospel. And so, are we taking the fullness of the gospel lightly? Like we're not reading, studying the Book of Mormon, studying um, the fullness of the gospel to gain greater light and knowledge and insight. And we're just treating it lightly. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. So, 
I mean, you've done a deeper dive, so maybe you have some different thoughts, but. Well, let's see if I can formulate it. The new, I, I kind of correlated it with the New Testament because it's the new covenant. And so what's the difference between the old covenant and the Old Testament and the New Testament? So it's understanding those two covenants. The Old Testament was the Ten Commandments and it was a carnal. And the New Testament is about um, learning to love God and love our neighbor. So it's about our hearts. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and it says in um, Jeremiah that he would write the law on our hearts. So I think it's about the law of love, um, having our hearts changed, receiving the mighty change of heart or what people call, call born again or whatever, where the spirit changes us completely and we become clean through and all of our sins are redeemed through the spirit and i think to because that's mentioned a lot in the book of mormon it's mentioned in the doctrine and covenants it's mentioned in the new testament um it's kind of mentioned even in the old testament mm -hmm. and so to me that's what it is and they talk about a marriage but we were talking earlier i think you were cooking dinner um Lisa was talking about, you know, he's the bridegroom and we're the bride. So I think the marriage covenant is not what we think it is. It's we're the bride and he's the bridegroom and whether we're being faithful to the bridegroom, whether we love him or enough or not, you know? Right. And then when we get that, it's a veil that's removed partially because we get to that point and then we get to our first comforter or to the second comforter. So it's definitely symbolic of the bridegroom and the bride and having our hearts changed. So that's how I look at it. And we're not seeking that new heart. I don't think, and I, I don't think, know how many I people, you book, know, are seeking the new heart are, you know, right. And I think the, the, spirit. Is the answer to that, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I don't know how much we're seeking that because it doesn't, it, it says in Mosiah, Pray with all the energy of your heart to be filled with the pure love of Christ, which is to be changed, you know, to have your heart changed by the spirit. Um, yeah. And I don't think we do that. We're told to do that. But how many people do you know have, that are actively seeking that? So right. maybe that's why we're under condemnation, because we're not actively seeking that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's just kind of my quick take on it anyway. Mm -hmm. yeah yep. um, um i found like this one article from uh, 1991 <laughs> it's an oldie but um it was interesting that the sections of it are uh, the article is what is the condemnation we are under that president benson speaks of regarding the book of mormon and so he does kind of like a, a word study on three of the words in DNC 84 on unbelief, treated lightly, and vanity. And so he does like his, his thing on there. I haven't read through all of them yet, but um, the last section was kind of interesting. It, I don't know, kind of keyed into to Jeremiah here, but he concludes with a whole section called Blessings Follow the Lifting of the Condemnation. And uh, President Benson said that we cannot build Zion. The bride cannot receive her bridegroom until the condemnation is lifted. And that there are blessings following the lifting of the condemnation. So kind of the, the principle that we learned about from Jeremiah, right? That yes, there are these judgments or condemnations, 
but there's hope as we do uh, take a, a good look at what brought about the condemnation right like you were uh, talking about yeah you said it can't we can't build zion without is that what it said in that article we can't build zion and what's the definition of zion uh-huh yeah let me the pure and the pure in heart of one mind yeah. and one heart uh-huh uh-huh and no poor among them pure the pure in heart so to me that's that's what we're under because we don't seek to fully love people you know yeah. fully um, we're not doing our ministering. A lot of people aren't doing their ministering um, like they're supposed to. Um, I don't know. It's just, I think that's what it is because that's how we become like Christ is to have our natures changed on faith in him. Um, how do you, know. you find these things so fast? Cameron? Well, I just did a Google oh, search is all. Yeah, I found that the other day too. Yeah. Uh -huh. But yeah, um, that he's in the Mexico City Temple dedication or whatever, and uh, pondering upon it, and remember the new and everlasting or the new covenant, even the Book of Mormon. But he says Zion cannot fully arise and put on her beautiful garments if she is under this condemnation. That's what I was referencing, but I, I misquoted it, so I wanted to correct them. And we get into Ezekiel, and then he talks about how he'll remove your stony heart and replace it with a heart of flesh so to me that's what it is we can't be a zion people unless we learn to really accept and love each other fully you know and not have judgments and and um you know criticize people or do we just learn to love each other fully as god loves us mm -hmm. um, in, in the manner that he does and i think that's what it is because zion can't be built if we're at, at any way contentious with each other um you know yeah i mean even on sunday we <laughs> had a little discussion on jeremiah and it got a little not heated but somebody brought up stuff and and they had let's get back to jeremiah because the guy that was passing the microphone was he's a lawyer so he kind of got a little like well i read on this and it's like oh, let's not get there so it's like just <laughs> Yeah. It's just little things that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, any other thoughts? I don't know. I'm kind of like, <laughs> we've discussed it, but we still have uh, quite a bit of time. If, if anybody has anything that they, they want to discuss or, or bring up about Jeremiah or, or else what? It's hard this early in the week because we haven't studied it very much. <laughs> exactly. I haven't been able to pour through it. Like I just barely got off the heels of the other one. Yeah. Which is going through this one. Which is maybe why we're not as talkative or have as much to say about it, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe that second Tuesday or third Tuesday isn't the most conducive. I am. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We like getting on and just chatting, don't we? <laughs> mm -hmm. I was going to say, any new books, Cameron? <laughs> I have not. Well, no. Um, I've I've considerably tried to like slow down <laughs> books. I'm more into like eBooks and, and stuff like that. Yeah. This is like totally off topic, but like I, I'm getting back into like uh, cosmism, catastrophism, and, and stuff like that. And so uh, I finally found uh, a PDF of the Saturn myth. 
because like the actual physical copy of the book is like 500 bucks it's like really rare like they only had a few copies oh nice anyway i finally found a pdf of that and so i'm excited tell us about it what is it called cameron the saturn myth um so this is a (laughs) this is a really long story sorry uh tangent i mean um but so wendy was pointing me to um Leland Tanner and anyway this is one of Leland Tanner's things of if you're wanting to kind of lay the foundations for cosmism catastrophism kind of thing or whatever he recommended five books and he said the first three are Anthony Larson's trilogy that are just little short things and then you'll want to go to Worlds in Collision by Velikovsky which I, I read the other day isn't that the one that Anthony got his ideas from? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Velikovsky's like the, the pioneer of, of all those yeah. things. But Velikovsky has quite a few books. And so it to start off with, after you've read Anthony's, then read the original Velikovsky book, the Worlds in Collision one. And then he said, after you that, yet? then you're, yeah, it, it's a long, hard read. But, yeah. <laughs> but once you're done with that, then you can proceed on to the Saturn myth, which is kind of like a, a more advanced version, but um, I is mean, that by that one is David Talbot. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and like I said, there's very few copies that were printed, and it's like five hundred dollars anywhere you look for it. Um, you can find some that are like eighty dollars, but I still I don't have that kind of money right now, so um, I found the, the ebook, and so I printed it out. Um, but I haven't got into to that at all. I'm I'm working through Anthony's right now and and loving them. Um, I ordered mine off of used, and when I got it, it says non LDS version. I'm oh, like, right, that happened to me too. <laughs> I know. I was so mad. I'm like, wait, what? And it goes all references to their scripture. Da 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 is is deleted, and I'm like, wait, that's the one I want. <laughs> I didn't yeah. say that when I ordered it. <laughs> That was so disappointing when I finally got my copies. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? I've got to go back and, and do that. But yeah. And they don't they don't tell you beforehand. No, they're not marked any different way. And so and I'm so upset. I had one of those like 15, 20 years ago. I had one of his books and I didn't keep it because at the time I don't know. It just wasn't. And I'm like, ah, why didn't I keep that book? So this is like the most random things. Like I said, it was going to be a long tangent. But anyway, so Leland Tanner is like this genius, like young kid of um, cosmism and stuff. But he has this whole Twitter thread, which I hate Twitter threads so bad. But anyway, this whole thread of how to gain the new heart um, that that we you were mentioning earlier. And... Anyway, such a fascinating read. Um, it's somewhat in, in cosmism, but somewhat just deep doctrine stuff or whatever. But um, anyway, with Urim and Thummim, Lights and Perfections, and this new heart um, that, that is referenced to, he has a, a, a different kind of take on it that was super fun and interesting. So that's what got me hooked. Wendy sent me to that one. And then um, after that, then I went down all these other, 
Leland rabbit holes and and found this one where he's like, okay, here's the beginner's guide. Start here, then you'll go here, and then there. And so that's where my long journey went. <laughs> I I would get lost on his long journey. Oh my gosh! It it I hate, if if he would just do it in a format that I could follow, but like Twitter I, Twitter I, feed I, are so hard. So many times because she keeps redirecting me back there, and I just get lost. And yeah, I, I don't think my brain works well with his method. So uh, exactly. So I mean, not that I'm announcing anything, but like. <laughs> stay tuned, stay tuned. there's some fun stuff coming in that scope of things well, i'm just if you're reading on twitter and i don't really i don't really get on twitter yeah, but do you read backwards like you have to scroll all the way to the beginning do you know what i'm saying um kind of because like there's tweets and then there's like retweets of it and stuff and then when you have a thread then it like layers it in this weird way like i'm i'm not great at it so i'm just saying it's so hard to follow (laughs) but she said you have to click on each picture because there's more stuff in that yeah it's so confusing i hate twitter so 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 that's the only (laughs) person she follows on twitter she says i wouldn't do twitter at all if it weren't for him wendy tomander oh i don't know who that is is cameron can you get in it without having an account to see that or not uh, no well, i mean you can see it but after you start scrolling a little bit oh, it won't uh, let you see it the okay. pop-up will come up and cover the screen saying you need to have- okay i think i have an account i just i don't like it too i hate it i, I never I, never go on it unless somebody says you have to see this <laughs> yeah exactly he, he's very worth, rare he really is if he's you what? can it's worth following if you can figure it out oh, okay is he anywhere else other than twitter no. no, I don't think so. Well, I mean, he oh. has a couple of YouTube videos or whatever. I could send you those, but I mean, they're not anything like his Twitter posts. What's oh. his name? Tanner? Leland Tanner. And he writes music for... <laughs> yeah, that, that'll throw you off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Wendy said she learned so much from some of his songs, even though it's not her. Those songs aren't her thing. It's like this deep bass rap music style that i'm just like what like you can't have like highly spiritual things and then that that kind of music but you know each (laughs) (laughs) because all of his music is about cosmism or the deep mysteries that he's learning and he puts it poetically and and raps about it but i I don't i oh he's younger than me like i mean he's he's a young guy I was going to say maybe he's 28, 29. What does maybe? he have, like two kids? I, I mean, he's a I mean, young family. Mm-hmm. And and his profile picture on Twitter is like kind of scary. And then you, <laughs> get, like, you find his actual picture of his family or whatever. And you're like, oh my gosh, like why? Why would you present yourself to the world that way? But whatever. I guess everybody has their things. <laughs> it represents his music well, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. he's an interesting character i I look forward to getting to know him but yeah are you gonna have him on (laughs) i don't i don't it's just in the beginning stages of brainstorming i mean it's it's not anything yet but 
and, and it's not going to overwhelm people so don't don't worry about it <laughs> yeah it's not like some new curriculum or something that we're starting in on but um but there there is a lot to cosmism in the end times and so uh, anyway i'm just trying to get some of like the best brains together to to have possibly like some pre-recorded roundtable discussions that, that people can watch and then oh cool camera wow yeah it's in the it's in the very very early stages so it, things could fall through and, and stuff they've already fallen through a lot <laughs> <laughs> but anyway wait, something along those lines but yeah if you've always wanted to, to know about cosmism catastrophism and stuff it, it's going to be like a very basic introductory avenue into it because i don't know all of the people that know about it and and are good at it are like way over my head and uh, i don't know <laughs> all of them have some form of like social like asperger's or <laughs> autism or something i mean they're on the spectrum of something and i'm just like i don't understand anything that you're saying and, it, and it's just coming at you a million miles a minute and they all think that they're right and everyone else is wrong and anyway so i'm trying to take sort through some of that and present it in an easier way and i don't know it, it might blow up on my face but that's where i'm kind of headed um, yeah <laughs> there's so many different avenues if you guys could see my schedule <laughs> it's kind of wild oh yeah well, I found two new interesting things, but only one's an ebook, and the oh. other one is kind of out of print. And actually, it came out of our gospel doctrine class because the guy that was commenting, he's the father of the counselor and the bishopric, and he's written two books. One's called Pattern of the Heavens, oh. and the other one is called Similitude Typology, and I can't remember the rest of it. And that was the ebook, but it's really they look really interesting. I can't find much about them, but he does have a video on YouTube on patterns of the heaven that he did at a church building. His name is Timothy Adams. It's pretty interesting. I didn't get all the way through it. But, um, he's going, he's going through the constellations and signs and what they mean and how they relate to scriptures kind of. And, and it's just different. It's different things than I've ever heard before. It's, uh -huh. I haven't listened to the whole thing, but, um, so it's kind yeah, of I looked, up, I looked up Twitter because when you started describing his picture, it sounded familiar. I do follow him. I just never read anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Get in there and anyway. <laughs> yeah. Twitter's not my favorite, but I already following him. You already know some good things. Yeah. Um something else i was going to bring up but i forgot oh 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 um <laughs> so um somebody shared me uh some information on uh do you remember <laughs> todd mclaughlin recommended the book the words of joseph smith to us um from andrew f e hat but anyway there's this strange other book that he was in the process of making but it, he printed off two copies and then shut it down because there was some different things 
happening in, in his life and stuff. Anyway, so he wrote a book called uh, The Holy Order or An Holy Order. I can't remember. But anyway, I finally found a early draft of it. Um, but it is is quite amazing. Um, it's, what is it called? The, just a second, let me find it. Because <laughs> when you were talking about books and stuff, uh, that was one that I stumbled across. Let's see if I can. So it's Joseph Smith's Introduction of Temple Ordinances and the 1844 Mormon Succession Question. It was originally a thesis presented um, for his Master of Fine Arts, but he later turned it into a book, which never went to press. And so anyway, it's, it's so fascinating. I've been going through that one too. How'd you find a transcript of it? I just trying to find people that have things. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it, a Google search led me to somebody that had it and I just wrote them and requested it. <laughs> You because the there's, there's only the... two copies. There's one copy in the Joseph Smith papers collection in that secret vault. And then there's one down at BYU library that they won't let anyone access. Um, you can't even look at it. So anyway, I was like, well, that's got my curiosity peaked. And so I was trying to find anything I could on it. Can you put the title in the chat? Uh-huh. Yeah. Can you Thanks. put it in a PDF and send it to us? <laughs> Uh -huh, yeah, I've got the Word document. I can send it to you. Um, awesome. Let's see. Awesome. Holy Order by Andrew E. Hatt. And, I mean, somewhat good news. I think that um, they are getting the Words of Joseph Smith book reprinted. They've got everything lined out and stuff, so we should be able to. It's revised and expanded and, and way better than the first one they sent, so. Um, then here's so it was the print book was going to be called a holy order but this is the the title of the actual thesis paper <clears throat> yeah anyway anything else before we head out for the night <laughs> it's been kind of an interesting <laughs> conversation all over the place but if not so our next time is when zion i always have to go back because the most correct calendar that's out there is on the actual learning zion website um so our next one is Saturday, October 29th, and it is at 9 a.m., 9 a.m. to 12 a.m. So we are going to be doing the um, anti-mortal existence of Jesus Christ in the topical guide, and then doing Ezekiel for the Come Follow Me. I'll be that. And if anybody's headed to Saturday morning? Yeah, Saturday morning. That'll be our next one on October 29th. And if anybody's in Utah for Provo for Sperry Symposium this weekend, we can see you there, but. Can you fine. repeat the last thing? I, sorry, I had to, had to leave. <laughs> <laughs>
I thought you didn't have to go into your closet anymore and hide. Uh, well, the <laughs> you just got an offer on their house, so I had to hear uh -huh. what their thing. So, yeah. uh, you said something about Saturday. What was Saturday? Yeah. So our just our next book club. So our next oh, book club okay. is going to be um, not this Saturday, but the next one, October 29th at 9 a.m. Okay. And that one will be um, number four in the topical guide, which is anti-mortal existence. And the come follow me is Ezekiel. Okay. I'm very sad that um, Isaiah decoded is over. <laughs> well all you can see all of the recordings and stuff on there i think i got them all uploaded but yeah it it was a, a fun ride going through all that again wasn't it we had i mean seriously from chapter six on some of the most amazing discussions i really yeah. wish like all of our uh, yeah. book clubs could have went through so good. last time because so many new aha moments and, and things with mm -hmm. it uh i was able to help facilitate conversations a lot better that time around <laughs> i went back through some of our old uh, isaiah decoded uh, the first round when i was reading it for the first time with everyone else mm. oh, those are they're great but the, sometimes they're kind of painful of like oh i i didn't know anything what was well, i doing it's slower too this time this was slower so uh -huh. it was, so yeah, it cool was okay thank you um, and you have so much more under your belt now so that you recognize things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we were reading it at the same time of lectures on faith and uh, the book of Nelson. And so, I mean, so many parallels, um, uh, learning new nuances to Isaiah's ladder through. Anyway, yeah, uh, everything kind of compounds and, and helps ex explain what we've learned before. And anyway, yeah, it's, it was an amazing year hey, has any has anybody i agree ah, i just feel water has anybody listened to megan farmers if i keep saying farmer and i know it's not farmer um her interview abraham interviews i thought they were good yeah yeah love those yeah i was starting to listen to them i haven't finished them yeah they're like a great synopsis if you've never or if you're just new to Avraham, like I always point people to her podcasts with him because both of those are like yeah. very great overviews of everything Isaiah. Yeah. And he's relaxed and mm -hmm. yeah, uh, doesn't seem to be, yeah, he's not formal. He doesn't seem to be in a hurry. <laughs> I mean, not hurry. He's not the right, but you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's kind of chill. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, Terry. Um, I have a question to see if you have any access to John S. Tanner's um, article or talk, Christ or Advocate and High Priest. It was a footnote in our lesson tonight. Just let me look it up really quick. Just... I, I found it, but it was offline at the BYU. So maybe you have like great archives. Yeah, I'm just looking through just a second. Thank you. Okay, this is interesting. I did a Google search for a holy order by Andrew Ehat. It uh -huh. came up on Goodreads. Somebody recommending uh -huh. it. That's the one. Isn't that the one you said that was the manuscript? 
Uh-huh. Yeah. So that that book only had two copies ever printed. And so nobody has access to it. Like on Goodreads there, you'll see that like any of the links that it says to go buy it, nah, nobody actually has it. Okay. But it does have like a synopsis of it and everything. And that's how I was able to kind of track it down was based off of that synopsis that Goodreads had there. Yeah. So I do have, where did that go? <laughs> I had it. I, I, I'm getting it. Anyway. Yeah. I will uh, email that over to you. Awesome. Thank you so yeah. much. Oh, wait. Can you put it in the chat, Cameron? Uh-huh. Well, it's a PDF. Um, oh, um, never. Oh, I Googled it, and then it's not there. It uh, said I had the same problem. It said a PDF, but it's not there. Right. Yeah, let's see. Just Thank you, Cameron. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was that was a pretty obscure one for me to, <laughs> to find. I bet, I bet you had to dig for that. I'm so great for, grateful for technology. We could just do little quick searches on our hard drives. <laughs> Indeed. By John S. Tanner. Anyway, so I'm typing it in the chat so that I remember where to come back in our conversation. But, but yeah, I'll, I'll email that over to you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. all those... Yeah, I got to go back and listen because I got offline for a little bit when I was driving up and I missed some good stuff that you were talking about. Can you send that to me also, Cameron, please? Uh -huh. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Are you just sending it to everyone? Yeah, I might as well. Let me take a screenshot of everyone that's here. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'll email. Seems oh yeah, so the Saturn myth. Christ, our advocate, and the, uh, what's the other one? Oh, the EHAT book. <laughs> yeah, I'll email those out. Thank you. Um, yeah, anything else? Any other fun reads or anything? <laughs> mm -hmm. If not, we will see all either this Saturday in person or next Saturday for um, our next round of book club. <laughs> That'll give us plenty of time to read though. Yeah. <laughs> when I originally created the schedule, I was like, oh, this is great. You know, it's, it's scattered. It's, it's great. But sometimes, especially when you postpone a week, right? <laughs> it piles up. I know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Have a great night, everyone. We'll see y'all later. Good night. Bye. Bye.